Our scripture reading is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It reads as follows. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Would you pray with me? And God, would you prepare our hearts this morning to accept your word? Please silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray, amen. And again, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, the Black Pew Bible, that's page 1023, 1023. 1 John chapter 4. Well, tomorrow is November 31st. November 31st is known by many as Halloween, uh, but it is more importantly also known as Reformation Day. 505 years ago, the Protestant Reformation began as Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of of the church in Wittenberg. The opening statement of that document read, on November 31st, 1517, out of love for the truth and the desire to bring it to light, the following propositions will be discussed at Wittenberg. He went on to give 95 different uh, matters to be discussed. Luther was concerned for the truth. He saw the greatest threat to the church being what was inside the church, not what was outside the church. It was among those who stood behind pulpits, who claimed to be speaking for God, that the greatest threat, the greatest danger of false teaching was being spread. Luther called for reform. He called for a return to the Bible. Elsewhere, Luther wrote, the Bible is the proper book for men. There the truth is distinguished from error far more clearly than anywhere else. We live in a day where we're not quite sure what truth is or where truth is. And we might ask, what is truth? In Jesus' words in John chapter 17 is, thy word is truth. God's word is truth. More than a century before the Protestant Reformation, a man named John Huss, who lived from 1370 to 1415, 
was martyred for refusing to recant of his opposition to the Pope for selling indulgences, that's forgiveness, selling forgiveness of past sins. Um, he was martyred, he was burned at the stake. He was uh, one who began what was what's called the Bohemian uh, Reformation at, at that time in, in the Czech area or the Czech Reformation. Um, he wrote this, love, love the truth. Let others have their truth, the truth will prevail. Uh, this is a few years before we get the, the my truth people, right? This is, a, this is a few years before that. But even here, he's saying, let them have their truth. The truth will prevail. And that is what uh, we believe today. The truth will prevail. As we come to chapter 4 in the epistle of 1 John, we find John's third and final contrast in this section. The first contrast we looked at just a couple weeks ago, and it was the contrast between righteousness and sin. Those who practice right living and those who practice sinning. Secondly, we looked at love and hate. Love and hate. And thirdly now, today, we look at the contrast between truth and error. At the beginning, at the end, excuse me, of the first century, the, the religious philosophy of Gnosticism was said to be impacting the church. Now, Gnosticism, uh, the, the word Gnostic, uh, comes from or is, is the Greek word that means to know. Uh, they were big on knowledge. They actually believed that they needed to have a, a special revelation from God uh, in addition to the Bible. And the, those people who had it, they were the ones who were, who were in. They believed also that the body... And anything material, physical, none of that really mattered. It was inconsequential. It was unimportant. What, what really mattered was the immaterial. What really mattered was the spiritual. But when this thinking comes into the church, it, it leads to twisting of doctrine. Namely, as we will see today, the doctrine of Christ. Today, Gnosticism may not be the presenting challenge to the church, but false teaching in other forms remains a real and present danger. And so we come to this passage, we want to recognize what the context and what the, 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 the point or what was the, the issues at the time. We do that while finding appropriate application for us today. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 are, are a new paragraph for, for John as he writes. Uh, they are together in their own literary unit of 1 through 6. And the, the point that John is stressing here is, is discernment. He's calling these Christians to, to have discernment. Look at, look at it with, with me in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many... False prophets have gone into, out into the world. Uh, in chapter 3, if you just, just walk back just a few verses, in chapter 3, verse 24, John refers to the Holy Spirit. You can just read it with me. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given to us. And John likes to do this in that the previous section, he connects what's going to come next. He did it already with love. 
moving into chapter 3, verses 11 through 24. He connects love in, in the passage before that. And now here at the end of chapter 3, he's connecting the spirit into chapter 4, which talks about uh, spirits. So he's continuing this topic, explaining to Christians that they are not just to believe that every teacher, every religious teacher is from God. Do not believe every spirit. Do not, do not believe that every spirit is from God. Don't do that. Instead, test the spirits. He starts here with this, this term of, of affection. And it also reminds us who he's talking to. Beloved. Christians. Little, little children, he'll say, he'll say in, a, in a minute. Or divinely loved ones. Show discernment. Don't believe everything, but test the spirits. This, this phrase, do not believe is in the imperative mode, and it is in the present tense, which means that it is a command, and it's an ongoing command. Do not believe. Do not believe everything that you hear is actually from God. The term spirit here, that's kind of a, maybe a, a weird word for, for us to, to hear, but the word spirit, what is, what is being said here is it is, according to one commentator, the spiritual source of teaching. The author continues, all teaching about Christ has a spiritual source. So, so don't believe that every source behind religious teaching is actually from God. Not all are Christian, right? Not, not, not all teachers are Christian teachers. So Christians are to not believe that. Instead, they are to test the spirits. They are to test to see if they are from God. Now, this second phrase, test the spirits, is also a command. It's also an imperative. It's also in the present tense, which means it's ongoing. This is not a one and done. This is not just to one time don't believe it. This is not just one time to test. This is a, a, a command that is ongoing. John says, test the spirits. Here we see that spirit is plural. Test the spirits. So what is the indication? The indication is there's more than one spirit at work in the world. There's more than one source. There's more than one, one motive or someone activating the teaching that is going on. The source is either the Holy Spirit or it is the devil. It is the evil one and his demons. So to test here means to prove. It means to try, it means to see, it means to analyze, it means to uh, examine. This term is used of, of when someone would test a metal to determine the, the genuineness of this metal. Is this actually a precious metal or not? And they would, they would test it in order to, to see its authenticity. Christians are to discern if a teacher is activated by the Spirit of God or the devil. Now we've talked before about um, this idea of judging. And some in, in the world today don't, don't like the idea of anybody judging anyone. So who are you to say uh, if, if someone is from God or not from God? Well, first of all, John is giving to us a test that we'll see in just a moment of, of how we are to do that. One of the, the, the most well-known verses in the Bible, other than John 3:16, by many, is Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Matthew 7, verse 1 says, do not judge. 
So it's like that verse, right? We like to point that into other people's faces. And yet Jesus also says this in John chapter 7, verse 24. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. The judgment isn't the wrong, the, the wrong part. It's, it's how we're judging someone. Right judgments. This judgment that, that John is calling for, this discernment is according to one pastor, the, the God-given ability to differentiate between truth and error, between what is of God and what is not of God, but of the devil. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Christians can discern this way. We actually can do this. And the reason that we can do this is because of the spirit abiding in us. Not because we're so smart, not because we know more than someone else, but because the Spirit of God abides with us, which John has talked about already in chapter 2 and in chapter 3. Well, after giving the command, that's the command, right? The command is don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. After giving the command, the, the need for discernment here, we could call that the, the what of the passage. What is he saying? He's saying, don't believe everything you hear. Pay attention. Turn your ears on. Listen. Discern. He gives a, a reason for that in the rest of verse 1. Look at it. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Why do we need to test the spirits? Because there are false prophets in the world. The cause or the reason for the test is that many false prophets have gone out into the world. And in this case, they were infiltrating the, the local church. A concern that John had for his own people. The false prophets here were those who had already withdrawn from his church, which we looked at back in chapter 2. They went out from us because they were not of us. And they had gone out and then they were, they were spreading uh, false teaching about Jesus, which was confusing some of the believers. That's what John's talking about. But let us be clear that false prophets and false teachers have been a danger since evil has come into the world. You read your Bible, there are false prophets in the Old Testament. There's instructions about how you can know if, if someone's a false prophet or not. And if they weren't, bad things happened. In the New Testament, Jesus speaks about false teachers and false prophets. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 11, Jesus says, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. <clears throat> In chapter 7, verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The Apostle Paul experienced false prophets. In Acts chapter 13, verse 6, he was confronted with a man named Bar-Jesus. In chapter 20, he says this, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, among the church, not sparing the flock, and from those, from among, excuse me, and from among you yourselves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. This was a real danger, even in the early church. In 2 Corinthians, Paul again writes, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, despising, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. 2 
Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there were false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift judgment. And finally, Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verses 3 and 4. Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who perverted the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. The danger is real. False teaching was a problem. It is a problem and it continues to be a problem. John says here that many, many false prophets have gone out into the world. He doesn't say a few. He doesn't say a couple. He says many, many. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus writes, and he says that many find the broad path or the, 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 the wide gates, but few find the narrow. Many are on the broad path and few are on the narrow. So we might conclude, as some do, that there are far more false teachers in the world than there are true teachers. And where are they? They're in pulpits this morning. They're professors at seminaries and Bible colleges. They're in leadership of denominations and movements and quote-unquote Christian ministries. They're in local churches. They're on the radio. They're on the Christian radio. They're on the Christian station. The Christian station. They have websites. They have pamphlets. They have, they have magazines. They have podcasts. They're everywhere. They have gone out into the world. Therefore, Christians must Test the spirits. We must examine the spirits. Do not believe that everyone who holds a Bible is actually telling you what God has said. Don't believe it. In Acts chapter 17, Paul commends a group of people and he compares them to another group of people. And he says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. This group was in a, in a place called Berea. And he says of these people, they received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. What did they do? They examined the scriptures daily. They studied. They analyzed. They questioned. They judged. One pastor says that this, this means to separate truth from error. To examine means to separate the truth from the error. That's what the Bereans were doing. They were commended for it. And that's the, the invitation to you and me. To be testing the spirits. To be examining what is being said. You should be doing that of me. You should be doing that every time you turn on the television. Every time you listen to a, a preacher preach. Every time you read a Christian book. Eat the meat and spit out the bones, yes, but you, gotta, you have to know what the meat is. You have to know what is meat and what is bones. Therefore, you need to know the truth. 
So you need to know your Bible. So you need to examine. You need to study. You need to analyze. Why are people misled? Why are people misled? Because we don't know. If you don't know, you'll believe anything. Some of us have have experienced that in our life. In other areas where we are ignorant of something, someone could take advantage of us. So what? Don't believe everything you hear. Test the spirits. How do you do that? Well, John gives us the content of the test in verses 2 and 3. He has given to us the command to do it. He's given us the reason for it or the cause. And now he's going to detail the test. Here's a litmus test, an acid test, a decisive test of what is true doctrine. Or as Dr. Stephen Lawson says, the fixed standard that separates the true preacher from the false preacher. And what is it? Look at verse 2 with me. By this you know the Spirit of God. By this. What is the this? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. We've talked a bit about Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, again, was big on knowledge. And as you read through 1 John, what you find is John is, is pushing back on this idea. And you, you'll see many times a, a theme, in fact, throughout this epistle is the word know. That John wants them to know things. And wants them to know that they can know things. They don't have to have a, a special revelation. We have a revelation already. It is the Bible. We don't need additional revelation. John says there's a way to know who is from God. You don't need a special revelation for this. This is, this is to compare with what we already know. What is the dividing line? What is the primary teaching or the primary doctrine? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. Who he is and what he has done. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Everyone who does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now this Greek word is, is, uh, basically means this, to say the same thing as. If you confess something, you're saying the same thing. You're agreeing with the truth. John has used this word confess already in chapter 1. Confess your sins and God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. To agree with God about your sin. In chapter 2, we are to agree that that Jesus is the Christ. Chapter 2, verse 23. In chapter 4, in verse 15, we'll get there uh, next week, we agree that Jesus is the Son of God. So we're to confess here. To confess means, in in this sense, means to say the same thing as the Holy Spirit. Why? Because this you know, the Spirit of God. What's true about the Spirit of God? It confesses that Jesus is, has come in the flesh. So how can we know someone is in the Spirit of God? If they confess that Jesus has come in the flesh. That's how we can know. The Spirit is that which is from God, right? The the Spirit of God. The Spirit that's from God is the Spirit that bears witness about Christ. That's how we test, right? Is this person from God? What do they say about Jesus? 
Do they confess that Jesus has come in the flesh? And if so, they are from God. Those, those clearly are, are, are someone in whom the Spirit of God abides. Therefore, they confess the truth about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. See, these false teachers were denying something about Jesus. They were denying that he had come in the flesh. They didn't believe that Jesus actually came in the flesh. They were denying a, a, fundamental, um, a fundamental doctrine of the church. And that's what we call the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus becoming flesh, incarnate, in the flesh. They were denying that. They were denying that the historical Jesus was the incarnate Messiah. They were denying that the God had become man. This incarnation, this truth of the incarnation is an absolutely fundamental teaching. It is a line in the sand. If there is no incarnation, if Jesus did not come in the flesh, if he did not become man, we have real problems. But the Bible affirms to us that he did, in fact, come in the flesh. And listen to John's writing in his gospel, John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus did come in the flesh. And those who are of God confess that to be true. And so then, if a spirit is not from God, then where is it from? Look at verse 3. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. We looked at the Antichrist or the spirit of the Antichrist in chapter 2, verse 22. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Behind every religious teacher, there is a spirit, a power, motivating or activating them. No one is neutral. No one is neutral. Every religious teacher is motivated by, by something, by a spirit. It is either the spirit of God or is here, according to John, the spirit of the Antichrists. And let it be known, the spirit of the Antichrist is active today. That's what John just said. It's in the world even now. A denial of Christology, the doctrine of Christ, Jesus, who he is and what he has done, takes place in more than just the denial of his humanity. Now that's what John's talking about. Because that was the presenting issue with the Gnostics. That they were denying his humanity. But let's be clear. That there are many other ways to deny Jesus that would tell you that they are not of the spirit of truth. This is not the only way that you can tell who a, a false teacher is. This is a way that you can tell what a false teacher is. And we'll look at more of that in just a moment. That was the issue then, but false teaching abounds today. Every cult, every false religion deny the doctrine of Jesus in some way. That's actually what makes them a cult. It's actually what makes them a, a false religion, is they de deny something that the Bible clearly teaches about the person and work of Jesus. Now, again, some people do not like it when churches criticize other churches. There's a difference between me criticizing you personally and you, me criticizing a doctrine. That's what we're doing. When we're testing the spirit, we're not, we're not criticizing a person, we're criticizing the, the doctrine of what one believes 
There's a difference between those things. Again, judging with right judgments. The test here is doctrinal, right? That's, that's what John's test was. What do they believe about Jesus? What do, they, what do they believe about who he is and what he has done? There are other tests. Again, the Bible. What do they believe about the Bible? What do they believe about, about, about the Father? What do they believe about sin? What do they believe about salvation? All of these are tests as well. If they deny Jesus, they are false prophets, period. End of story. If you're listening to someone and they do not affirm who Jesus is and what he has done, if they do not affirm that he is the Savior of the world, the virgin born, the Son of God, that his sacrifice, his sacrifice and his alone satisfied the wrath of God against sin, if they do not affirm that salvation is by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, false teacher, end of story, turn off the TV, throw away the book, stop listening now. In our little town, we have false prophets. Just behind me, 800 meters, I don't know, there are sits two churches that deny Jesus. They deny Jesus. They do not believe what the Bible says about Jesus. One of them is the Mormon church. They believe that Jesus became a God through obedience. And one of their past presidents said this, as man now is, our God was once. As our God is, that he became God, so man may be, which doth unfold man's destiny. Heresy. Absolute heresy. The other building sits on the north side of the road, Jehovah's Witnesses. They believe that, that Jesus was created by God, that is, quote, a God. He became a God. This denies the essential teaching that Jesus is eternal. Jesus did not show up at Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is eternal. The Godhead has always existed. To deny that he is eternal is to deny that he is the Son of God. Heresy. Islam believes that Jesus existed, but that he was a prophet. Buddhism believes that Jesus was a great teacher, but that's all. There are other ways. There are other ways to deny Jesus. Some even deny the, the effect of his death. There are others who, who believe that Jesus' blood has to be shed again and again and again in order for their sins to be atoned for. When the writer of Hebrews clearly states that Jesus died once and for all, Jesus does not have to shed his blood again. He does not have to shed his blood again for your sin because he did it once already. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, and every priest stands daily at 
his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, awaiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus had to die once. To believe otherwise is heretical. It is heretical. Jesus was not merely a man. He was the God-man. He did not become God. He is God. He was with God from the beginning. John chapter 1, verse 1. He was not just a prophet. He did prophesy. But more than being a prophet, he is the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus is the savior of the world. His death, his death, and his death alone is how salvation comes to you. Your response is to repent and believe. Jesus has done the work. Our response is will we repent and believe. That is what Jesus said. As he entered into his public ministry, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's not just an invitation. That's not just an announcement. That is a command. Repent and believe the gospel. Why? Because there is a king who said so. We are not king. You are not king. The kingdom of God is at hand. God rules the God who made you and me, the God who made all things, he rules. And because he rules, he gets, to, he gets to make the rules. And what's the rule? Repent and believe. Why? Life everlasting. The forgiveness of sins. The hope of heaven. A relationship with the Father. Joint heirs with Jesus. Come on, repent and believe. This is the good news. It's the good news for you. It's the good news for me. It's the good news for anyone who can hear my voice this morning. That if you would repent and believe, you too can know this eternal life. Who do you say Jesus is? Well, John continues in verses four through six, and he draws a, a contrast, an us versus them type of contrast. We actually see the distinction here with three different types of pronouns. We look at it in verse four. Little children, you are from God, and you have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You, who's the you? The you is the reader. John is writing to a particular group of people, and by proxy, you and me, the readers, the little children, the dear children. John's reminding them of who they are. Who are they? You are from God. You are the children of God. You are born of God, he says in chapter 3, 4, and 5. And the only way, again, we, the only way for us to be born of God is to come to God through Christ. We are not born by blood, nor by the will of the flesh or the will of man, but by God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, For in Jesus Christ you are all sons of God through faith. 
John wants them to know who they are and what has happened and have overcome them. Or you have prevailed or you have conquered. This is the Greek word where we get the word Nike, victory. You have overcome them. You, have, you, you are victorious over them. Who's the them? The them is the, the false teachers. The, these religious, these readers have overcome the false teachers. How? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The spirit of God in you, abiding in you, is greater, is stronger, is mightier than he, that is the devil, who is in or living or remaining in the world. Jesus said this, take heart, in the world you have trouble, but I have overcome the world. This security, this assurance of victory is cause for confidence. And we too who are Christians, we too who confess the real Jesus can know this victory too. You can know this victory too. You are the children of God. You have overcome them. Why? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We need to move on to verse 5. We see the second, um, second comparison or the second grouping here with the word they. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. Now, who's the they here? This is the false prophets. These are the false teachers. They are from the world. The world is the, the evil system with its philosophies and, and principles and values that oppose Jesus. The world, the world is the activating source that the power or the influence behind false teachers. And who is the prince of the power of, of this world? But Satan himself. So they speak for the world. And the world therefore listens to them. They're speaking their language. And so why do people believe this stuff? Because they're speaking the same language. But on the other hand, look at verse six. We are from God. Who's the we here? The we is John and the apostles. So we have you, the reader, they, the false teachers, and now we, the apostles, meaning John and the apostles. We are from God. Whoever knows God does what? Listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us, but this we know, this, by this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we and us are John and the apostles. It's, it's their writing, it's their doctrine that is, the, 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 uh, that is authoritative for the church. It's what God gave to them to write down that is the, the Bible, that is the New Testament. It is the authority by which we understand what God has said. It is, we might say, we would say, the words of God. The, the, the God's word breathed out for 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Verse 6 could be said to be another test. By this we know the spirit of truth and error. This is how we know. Those who listen to God are from God. Those who don't listen to God are not from God. In some ways you might say that's a secondary test, but really it's an expansion of the first test. Because if you deny Jesus, you're not listening to the apostles. And if you do confess Jesus, then clearly you have listened to the apostles. You've listened to the word. In contrast to the false teachers who listen to the world, those who are from God listen to those who are from God. They listen to the words of God. And by this, we can know truth from error. So who you listen to actually matters. It matters. Pastor John Piper says, the test is when the gospel is spoken, 
Is it listened to? You want to know if you're from God or from the world? When you hear the gospel, when you hear the good news about Jesus, what do you do? Who we listen to tells us something about ourselves. Those who refuse to listen to the word of God demonstrate that they are not from God. They are not of God. Listen, in the end, it is, it will always be the question of what will you do with Jesus? It's this morning as well. What will you do with Jesus? Those who are from God listen to God. What does God say about Jesus? He says that he's the son of God who has come out of love for sinners like you and me to die on a cross for your sin so that through repentance and faith, your sins can be forgiven. You can be pardoned from your sins because Jesus has taken your penalty. Let me ask, do you confess him this morning or do you deny him this morning? The issue has always been Jesus. John's been pressing the issue since chapter one, verses one through three. What we believe about Jesus matters. A lot of people want to run around and say they believe in God. That's not the primary question. The primary question is, what do you believe about Jesus? That's going to be the dividing line. That's going to show us who is who and who is believing what. Do you believe the real Jesus? The evidence that you believe the real Jesus is that you listen to his word. That's the evidence. That's the evidence that John gives to us. What in his word are you struggling to believe today? Some of you sit here, you, you sit under the word every week, or you sat under the word in, in times past, but you're not listening to the word. You can know this, this morning, that the spirit of this world would love nothing more than for you to ignore the word. Nothing more. Love nothing more for you to, to ignore the, the word of God, the word of life, the word of truth. And I'm begging you, don't do it. Don't believe it. Test the spirit to see if it's of truth. Discern what is from God and listen to that spirit of truth. And may God help us to do it. Let's pray. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to discern this morning what is truth and what is not? What is truth and what is error? This morning that the Apostle John gives to us a test, a way of discerning, the way of discerning a false teacher. What do they believe about Jesus? Father, it's a test for us this morning too of who is a true believer and who is a false believer. What do we believe about Jesus? Father, if there's anyone here this morning that has never come to the point in their life where they've recognized that Jesus is the Savior that they need. He is the Son of God sent from heaven to earth to live the perfect life that we could not live and die the death that we deserved. All in order that we could be forgiven, that we could be saved from the penalty of our sins into a relationship with you as our Father. God, I would pray that if there's anyone here who, who fits that, who knows that true, that's true of them this morning, that they would even, where they sit this morning, call out to you 
recognizing that they're a sinner in need of the salvation that Jesus has come to provide and ask Jesus to save them through repenting of their sins and believing by faith alone. Would you help them to do that this morning? For those who have, God, may you give us discernments and wisdom and understanding. May you help us to know the truth, to live in the truth, to walk in the truth. May you help us to discern the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. For your glory and for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our God.